Hello and welcome to Movies with Dave, the podcast where we talk about movies that we think that Dave would like. My name is Andrew Kramer. And I'm Pablo Galvan. And I'm Dave Spitzfadden. All right. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Andrew? Uh, I'm sick with COVID, but that's not going to stop me from recording today. Um, I had a I had a rapid test today, and uh, they called me and they said, "I'm so sorry, uh, you have COVID." And I was like, "Awesome!" I I knew that because I feel <laughs> like dog shit. And uh, then they emailed me, and in all caps, it said negative. Um, <laughs> So I was just like really confused actually because like earlier today I was feeling fine and I was like hoping that I was like going to test negative and I was actually kind of like bored of just being inside all the time. I mean, you're uh, definitely on the mend, right? You're... I, I am on the mend. This is not like the worst day, like Friday or so. Today's Monday. Um, so I'm, I'm getting there. We'll get, eventually get there, but definitely feeling it a little bit, but um Unlike my, my low energy throughout the day, uh, this movie that we all agreed to watch is anything but low energy. Uh, Pablo, what, what, are we, what are we talking about today? We're talking about a movie called Tam Popo. Tam Popo. Um, I think that this one was originally recommended by Dave. How did this even get on your, I... your radar? Yeah, I don't really, I don't know how it got origi- like originally brought up to me, but um, the you know it's like always described as uh, the ramen uh, western, like instead of spaghetti western. Um, and ever since then, it's been it's just been like on my list of movies to watch. And I think I yeah, I think I recommended it to you a few months ago, and it was promptly ignored. Um, and then our friend Tyler a couple days ago was like, "Hey, have you guys ever watched this movie?" And then. Lo and behold, Andrew, we're watching it now. <laughs> there, there we go. Well, I will say, um, just so that the listener can come uh, solidly back onto my side where they should be, uh, <laughs> you recommending the movie was sending me a message, Tampopo, question mark. And then I said, what is that? And then you said, look it up. And I said, give me the highlights. And then you <laughs> yeah. never did. So, I mean, I, I, was, I was doing it in... Uh... The same context that I feel like I recommended, like Street Dive Two, which you then loved. So I was just like, you know what, this is going to be a recommendation that I feel like we can just put it out there, and it'll be a solid recommendation once you actually watch it. So in line with that, this actually this podcast is Tampopo, and that's all actually we have for you guys. Thank you so <laughs> no, I... <laughs> um, yeah no. So the, uh, we're we watched uh, Tampopo nineteen. 19- uh 85 uh japanese film um ramen western like dave mentioned uh i don't know who directed it i I don't have the imdb page in front of me his name is juzo itami and this movie came out in 1985 uh did he do anything else of note i actually have no idea 
right. I am failing our, our listeners. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then again, though, this movie was suggested by Dave. So, you know, yeah. the rules of the podcast. I, I, you know, I'm the newest cast member to the podcast. I didn't know about coming up with recommendations. The, the rules also of the co- podcast state that you should, you, you need to bring all the, all the deeds. Yeah, like if you come to a potluck, you got to bring a hot dish, um, <laughs> as they as they always say. Um, regardless, we we don't need to mess with that stuff too much because there is a lot that I just want to dive into, uh, and I feel like we're going to struggle with uh, all of the historical context uh, since we don't have it obviously. Um, but we can talk about our experience with it and uh, what happens. So when I first started watching it. All I knew about it um, was this really bad recommendation from Dave and a reasonably well-described recommendation from another one of our friends. Uh, Listeners, not friend. Well, he hasn't heard the podcast yet, so future listener. Uh, And when I heard Ramen Western... I was expecting like a true Western movie, you know, where they're like in Japan... Uh, but they're supposed to be in America and they're cowboys and all of that sort of thing. Uh, and that is absolutely not what it, what this is. This I agree. Is mo- I agree. Um, is- sorry to interrupt, but I thought it, I thought there was going to be a lot of violence in this movie, uh, hearing this crash of Western, but we got something else completely <laughs> instead. We, we did get violence. Uh, we did get a lot of sex. We got a ton of comedy. A lot of sex in the weirdest <laughs> this, way. <laughs> this has to be my favorite sex scene of all time. Um, well, that's something that we're going to dig into more later. Uh, and uh, it, it's obviously a farce. It's obviously a parody. Um, but it also had, I think, a lot of really touching moments. So Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like, I, so I think Pablo's saying it wasn't really Western. I mean, it is a Western in the sense that it's like, we're gonna like give this one person all the like make her the best that we can mm-hmm. uh and kind of go on that journey with her from like you know get the broth and get the get the noodles right so like it's not a western in terms of like a shootout i would say but it is a western in terms of like building someone up and creating like a i don't know it sounds like you're you talking about, about rocky <laughs> Um, I, so I, uh, we'll, let, let's give a, a summary of the movie so that people will, so we can stop, you know, dancing around the subject so that people can actually know what it is that we're actually talking about. I'm happy to take the stab here, um, in this. So again, 1985, Ramen Western, uh, the movie begins with two characters, um, their names are escaping me right now. And Gun and Goro. Goro um, and Gun, yeah. 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 And Goro, Goro and wears a hat throughout the movie. He's the main Cowboy character. And Gun is his sidekick. Exactly. Um, it's raining. They are truck drivers. And uh, they are talking about ramen. And uh, we... Uh, they say, oh, man, like, oh, just, ramen's just making me so hungry. So they pull over to a roadside stop um, where somebody is serving ramen. Um, then uh, they go in. It's one of these really traditional, small, like, five-seat places um, with a woman serving ramen. Uh, there's a guy who starts a fight with them, and they, they start fighting. Uh, and before that, they're talking about, like, oh, no, this ramen isn't gonna be good the water's not boiling and like look at how she's cutting the pork yada yada um 
and in this uh like during the fight he gets beat up by five guys uh goro and uh he befriends the the owner and uh she it's like the next day and he's all patched up and stuff and she's like he's like oh i love that these pickles that you're making blah 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 and then she's like and, and how about my ramen and you know goro and gunner are like uh honestly your ramen is bad then the rest of the main plot of the movie is them helping her make the ramen shop better uh so he kind of becomes her her sensei and she is kind of you know his little padawan and she's learning everything so that goes from uh figuring out what the right broth recipe is and uh like pablo mentioned there's like a rocky scene uh in which like she's lifting a large barrel of water uh up and down uh yada yada more characters get involved over time and uh like i'm gonna stay high level here because my notes here got so detailed, uh, but then eventually she's able to open the shop and everybody loves it. Um, so why, why is this movie so fascinating? Well, number one, it's an absurd movie because all of this is like very much like a Western would be. Very much like The Magnificent Seven or uh, you know, Fistful of Dollars or a- a- any of those, you know, sort of, it just, you can feel that that guy coming in saving the town and then and then leaving um so we have that but the movie is the most food movie i've ever seen or at least one of the most food centric movies i've ever seen and it's got an unbelievable number of non sequiturs where it will just kind of start following a character or a person that's in the scene that's not even a main character and start following them kind of yeah. like the uh, 90s show uh stranger and, and, and before yeah. I, before i interrupt like yeah, well actually ahead. i'm interrupting you but um the movie almost feels like there's a main plot and there's just a collection of skits food related yes. skits right is, is that yeah. the same the, you guys it's definitely got? just like vignettes of like how food is the importance of food and like people's relationships to food um and that's a podcast guys (laughs) yeah yeah which i like at first i didn't really like i don't know at times it was in the beginning it was kind of like oh i don't know if i like that we're just kind of going all over the place and i don't know exactly where i should be focusing Mm -hmm. uh but then by the end i was like no this is great like everything yeah yeah and all these just like weird weird little characters that pop up and then like how they deal with food and how like they interact with food was like comical like some of them were just so absurd yeah, yeah. It, it took me a while to like ha- like actually realize what was going on um because you know you're, you're you're expecting a lot of the characters that are in these these like tiny little blurbs to to actually have something to do with the plot but then you realize they they have nothing to do um with it and so yeah. it really took me until the third one when i was when i realized like oh no this is probably has like a specific meaning to it but it's it's unrelated to the plot yeah for for instance, uh, j- just to give uh, the listeners an example, um, so the movie opens with one of these non sequiturs. Uh, we see uh, this guy who looks like an American gangster, uh, and he's in an all white suit and a, a white fedora, and uh, he's sitting in the front row of a movie theater. And then his goons uh, bring out him and. Uh, uh, you know, his uh, his lover, his woman, whatever you want to call it, uh, out. they bring out, like, 
caviar, champagne, rack of lamb, all of these different things like for the movie. And then the, it, uh, it immediately zooms in on his face and he looks into the camera and he addresses us, the audience, and he talks about how it's like, oh, what are you eating watching this movie? Yeah, so so I so I think that I watched it last out of everyone. And after Pablo had watched it, he said, you got to watch. I had already been planning on getting ramen for it. Uh, but then like time got away from me and I started watching the movie and I like didn't have any food, uh, like any food. And then right when he asked that question, I was like, I need to stop watching this movie and get food before I watch the rest of this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, so then I waited to watch it and I ordered in ramen and uh, then, yeah, watch. The are are, are you glad you ordered in? Yeah, I'm super glad. It was the best. That was the best experience to watch that movie. It's with like with a just absurd amount of food. <laughs> I, I watched this movie in a plane, so I got all I got was shitty airplane food. But the first thing I did when I got off the plane in, in Chicago, I was like, "Dude, I need to find a good ramen place." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just gorged myself. It was so good. Um, but yeah, so, uh, it just seems one of those movies that yeah, you can't you cannot separate it from from the experience of watching it. I don't know. Absolutely. And yeah, and it's just so so, like, it makes me wonder why more movies don't do this thing with the with the non sequiturs. Uh, Because, you know, I I feel like I got enough out of the main story. Uh, And, you know, being able to chew on all the little extra nuggets just made the movie, uh, you know, like so engaging and allowed the movie to take a a larger perspective than i think that what it had limited itself to in the very like traditional western structure that it kind of built around yeah yeah i think um maybe we should actually talk about uh, some of these uh, little blurbs um or skits Um, i don't know if we should go in order but but there's many of them that i think are are worth so so the first one i had mentioned was like the, the way the movie had opened that guy not an actual plot point at all through the movie. The, but that, he does that show the, up. That was the, the same. That was like the other, not main, but kind of main storyline. Yeah, that was the second uh, plot. Because he showed up several times. And then, you know, in the end, he has that fantastic dramatic Right, ending. but he doesn't impact Tampopo, uh, who no, is, I, I forgot to mention, uh, is the, the woman who owns the ramen shop. shop. Yeah. Uh, so, like, so we see this guy a number of times. And then, but he does not impact the main plot at all. Um, also, I mentioned at the beginning they were, they were talking about ramen. Well, they were talking about ramen because uh, uh, Goro, I think his name was right, or hey, Gun, yeah, Gun, Gun was reading a book about ramen, and it was just kind of like the almost like the like a YouTube over glorification of food, where it's like. And then he asked the master, how do I enjoy the ramen? Do I do the broth first? And he's like, no, first you must just appreciate that the ramen is there. And there's just like all of these different scenes. Yeah, and then you got to caress the pork (laughs) and then like thank it for its sacrifice. (laughs) So good. Um, Did you guys have, were any of these like smaller vignettes, did you guys have... uh, one in particular that you like the most i think there is one that we should talk about at the end and that's the the sex scene uh because just it's so so wild it's probably definitely not the strangest movie uh the strangers media i've i've seen but it's it's up there and it's so good 
Um, but there were a couple of them to me that were really interesting. Um, and, you know, they got into a lot of uh, interesting themes about, obviously, you know, our relationship with food, but also about yeah. um, how it can almost be used for, for bad. And also, you know, like some, some stuff that has to do with, like, Japan and its culture and how it relates to, like, Western or foreign cultures, right? So, for example, the first one was... Um, I think the first one outside of the one with the with the with the mafia guy, um, it's just this bunch of businessmen who are having dinner, and then one like the oldest one, the most senior one, orders <laughs> something, and you know he just orders some like the shittiest part of the menu, just like oh, I'll just get the like okay soup and this yeah the, the somme yeah exactly, and then everyone else um, starts like ordering exactly the same thing like oh yeah what a what a great choice i'll just order the same the same the same mm-hmm. uh and when we get to this one young guy who's like clearly really very like worldly and very cultured and he like starts chatting up the um and also chatting clearly up... the lowest man on the totem pole in oh the yeah world. exactly he's, he's, he's... Yeah. There's like five businessmen, and like he's walking behind them, carrying all five briefcases. Yeah, he's basically basically the intern. So yeah. he's just like very cultured and starts chatting the the waiter up about like tannins and uh, just a bunch of other different stuff and how it was in France. And then he just like orders something completely different, and everyone freaks out at the table. Um, so that that right there tells you that you know a lot. Not, about not only something, not only something different, but like like very knowledgeably and like is aware of all of the various nuances of like the cuts French of beef and like the types of yeah the types of wine and everything mm-hmm. um that was definitely a good one yeah 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 so basically you know in general it just talks about like japan and how it's like power dynamics work within the culture and as we know you yeah. know japanese has like a million ways to address people based on um, their social standing so yeah that one i love and then, and then like how the the fact that he was so knowledgeable and did know so much about food basically like flipped the power dynamic where like now everyone else is curious about him and like more interested in him uh was just very interesting yeah yeah another one i liked is the, the spaghetti one um yeah. and because something that this movie does really well besides you know it's easy to talk about the food and the shots and how it makes you hungry but the sounds are also really good I had the, anyway, I had the same thought about yeah. the, about the yeah. sounds and and with with food a lot of sounds come up like that you know um, slurping um, obviously you know like there was also chopping things everything where he just... like he like zipped instead of slurping I don't I don't know if you guys noticed that it was when yeah. they were like doing the uh, it, but it was different than the, the normal slurping of the noodles but they were doing their like reconnaissance of the noodles and there was one restaurant that they, they had like a little like like a laser noise like it was like zap every time they slurped it in and oh, like, oh yeah, yeah i know yeah. it's like bing yeah. like, it was, yeah. it was right, right when the noodle you know you have like an inch of the noodle left and you you suck it into your mouth and it kind of like yeah. hits the top of your nose yeah. like it would go <laughs> <laughs> that's so random uh, um, do you want to do you want to quickly describe the spaghetti scene yeah here? yeah basically uh really quickly you know you have this uh like etiquette class and, and this woman this old woman who's giving it to all these like young uh, young girls he's telling them um you know the the biggest faux pas you can um commit everywhere outside of japan is uh not being completely silent when you do your spaghetti um and and she shows him how to do it and he's like completely silent and just puts a little bit of spaghetti in her mouth and he's like and that's how you should do it um and then we see like right across the table this fat probably you know i don't want to say american, american guys but probably a fat american just like slurping like 
just going crazy and putting insane amount of food in his mouth. And then these girls are kind of like hearing this woman talk and then looking at him. And then they just start copying the guy. And then um, they start doing it one by one. The, the, you know, the instructor is shocked. And then at the end, it, you know, the, the scene finish w- finishes with her doing the exact same thing. So at the end, we just have like a slurp fest of spaghetti and everyone getting messy. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was so yeah. funny. <laughs> that, was, that was great. It, that one was so funny. It was also uh, that one it, like definitely had some like sexualization of food type thing where it was like it was like yeah. we all like we all want to give in to this like this urge to just slurp our noodles and we're not allowed to. And mm-hmm. then as soon as someone like kind of like breaks the seal and starts slurping, then it just turns into this like huge slurp fest. Yeah, yeah. And there's like a lot of social criticism in this movie. You know, it's kind of like burning uh, our first episode, guys. But, um, you know, you also have the scene with um, um, with all the hobos who are talking about like the wine and, and all the all these restaurants and, and hotels discarding food. Do you want to describe? That's super uh, good. Do you want to describe how the main character uh, ends up meeting the the hobos just to give that scene a little bit of context? Yeah. So basically, at one point, um, Goro, who's the tough guy in the in the hat, mm-hmm. um, takes Tampopo to meet the um, um, the sensei of ramen, who is hanging out with a bunch of hobos in the you know just at night, and and all these hobos are talking about like. Um, imagine like your cla- you know, your regular round of the mill wide boy uh, meeting, and they're all talking about like whiskey and uh, you know the cool stuff they they like, and it's kind of like that. Like these guys are talking about, oh yeah, like you know we were rummaging outside of this hotel, and then discarded all these like pork that was in great condition, and then you know I. I tried this like vintage and, you know, people say that it was a bad year, but it's, it was actually a very good year because the rain was, you know, it was just right precipitation and the soil was great. And we found half a bottle of it and it was a great vintage. And they just like go on this like crazy ramble about food. And, you know, it's supposed to be like homeless people and kind of like almost, you know, I think almost the point of this, um, of this scene is to tell you, you know, it doesn't matter what, your social standing is, uh, you know, you might have this knowledge and what is class, you know, is it like the knowledge of refined things? Because that, mm-hmm. that is open to everyone, not just to people. Who, to well, I, and I, I completely agree with that, that it was like a, a, a criticism that like food snobbishness is a way of just excluding other people. Exactly. Because a lot of the time uh, you wouldn't expect people to have that, that level of refinement. It's the same thing with the spaghetti scene. And where the same thing like, with the other one too, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so through food, this movie is constantly confronting class. Um, and uh, it, it was just, you know... It, making doing it in a way that's like directly in your face but not in a way that necessarily um offends um you know the 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 viewer and i imagine uh, like especially like a japanese audience who has to like wrestle with a lot of these dynamics a lot more than than we do in um in the west um one of the uh one of the other non sequiturs that i i wanted to mention as well um was we see this guy like you know the plot takes us somewhere and then we see a guy and he's just like running and we see him running for like four blocks and then he eventually uh like 
you know, he's a, he's like a businessman. He's got a, his briefcase and he eventually like goes into an apartment and he opens the door and uh, there's a woman lying on the ground and there's um, a, a, like a doctor and the kids are there and they're watching this woman who's like lying down on the ground. Yes, that is And crazy. he's like, oh my God, is she okay? Is she okay? And it's like, that she does not have long to live. Like she's not responding to anything. He's like, no, like, like, I love you. Like, you know, just laugh or cry and like you know he's grabbing just like don't do anything like don't fall asleep or you'll never wake up again and then uh she's not moving and he's like go go make me dinner like and then she no, 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 no. yeah yeah he, it's uh, it's almost like i felt you know being latin american very identified because of uh, a lot of the traditional roles of, mm-hmm. of people and food and, and gender yeah. You know, Absolutely. the woman is the, she stays at home and she makes the food. So he basically tells her, um, okay, like, please go uh, be, don't fall asleep, make dinner for, for us and the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you want to keep, keep going? Yeah, yeah. She, she sits up and then she like almost like a skeleton walks over to the kitchen, fills up the walk with some leftover rice and like makes some food and like, you know, brings it onto the table, makes everybody a dish. And then the husband just like eating it like crazy. And the kids are eating it. And then, yeah. And then he's like, dude, guys eat up, eat up. And yeah, exactly. And then, and then like she dies and like they're crying, but he's like, this is her last meal. You have to eat it. So they're eating all the food while they're crying. And like, again, yeah, you, you absolutely mentioned it with like the talking about the, Gen- like expected gender roles of everybody yeah, like. but it's like it's almost like yeah it, it's you know it, it is this like criticism of gender roles and all um, mm-hmm. but at the same time you know it's um again the way our relationship the human relationship with food is and, and in a lot of cultures food brings you together you know and and to me like that scene mm-hmm. was kind of like yeah there was a lot of love in it as well uh, you know it's like yeah for sure you know, it's that's, your, that's yeah. what i was gonna say as well like the, the you know last meal that your mom made you and you like remember it and you eat it and like then i think after she dies he just like starts shoveling it down his mouth yep uh and yeah just yeah a really powerful scene for me i would say yeah definitely definitely i think um as, as i said a lot of cultures where, where, where the the mom is traditionally expected to cook for for everyone i think um, it really, really definitely um, got to me as well. Um, other than that, I think uh, we kind of had, <laughs> we had, a, we had a murder on, well, a couple of murders on screen. Uh, one of them, which was a tortoise. So guys, if you, if you don't oh want to see an animal die on screen, definitely do not watch this movie. Uh, <laughs> pretty gnarly stuff, right? Um, so fun fact, I actually, um, I have actually eaten tortoise, uh, both uh, egg um like eggs a uh, turtle eggs a sea turtle and sea turtle in tacos um oh. it was uh, i was not very happy about it but i was living at the time at a coastal town in in oaxaca in, in mexico and you know i was hanging out with the locals and they really really wanted me to try it and you know i i kind of had to uh wouldn't do it again but it was interesting and so i definitely thought this and <laughs> that scene was pretty crazy as well even though i've already eaten tur- turtle yeah um, yeah. and I think the other scene that I want to talk about, one of these like skits was the last, uh, I think it might've been the last one of, uh, of the non-plot ones 
which is when the mafia guy gets shot. And I thought it was such a good scene because at the beginning of the movie, this guy's telling him, he's basically saying like, dude, I hate people who make a lot of noise in movie theaters. And he goes and like shot someone up who's like making a lot of noise with like a chips wrapper. Um, and then he's like, man, it's kind of like, you know, when I die, I, I don't want like some girl like screaming, don't die, please, I love you. I just kind of watched the the final film of my life, which is when your life flashes back, you know, uh, you get flashbacks before your eyes. And you just want to like look at it and enjoy it and die. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then you have this death scene where he like dies. And then this girl <laughs> is like, not Please. a lot of explanation. Yeah, exactly. He's just <laughs> randomly gets shot. He's like on the street and the, on his lover is um is just like please don't die he's like no no no, please shut up and then he puts his hat on her and then just like smiles and dies that was so funny uh that said i do think we have to talk about before we jump into the main plot we have to talk about the last well it's not the last one but certainly the most memorable um skit of this movie which is the sex scene between the mafia guy and his lover i mean i feel like there are like three of them for me the yes both like the sex scene the egg scene um, and then the the one that was a little less shocking, but still had me feeling kind of uneasy, was the one where the woman was like running through the grocery store, and oh the, yeah, uh, and the grocer was like trying to catch her down because she was basically just running around and like poking all of the things, and but like the, some of them specifically. Did you get yeah, yeah the, the food she was supposed to be a fly, and she was supposed to be what a fly, oh. That, oh, that makes more sense. Thing. She I was supposed to be a fly. That. Yeah, because at, at some point there's like a fly swatter like on the wall or something. And he he oh, swats yeah, a fly. Okay. So that she basically a represents sense. a fly. Kind of crazy, but, right? Yeah, but there's but like there were still like really sexual things in that as well. Like like the peach, she like put her peach into it and then it just like oozed its juice out. And I was like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> And like yeah, she like puts her thumb like in the brie, and it's just it's just like it just feels a little too intimate, especially because and the the discomfort I think is like you know we're, we're revolted you know when when flies and stuff get on our food, and we're also kind of revolted when people touch our food, and it's you know for I don't even know what the movie was trying to say uh, in that in that point, but it was definitely highlighting that for whatever reason this is uncomfortable um yeah exactly i i have no idea yeah i still don't know what the point of it was but i know that i hate people and flies especially mm. touching my food um, um should we talk about the sexy now yeah so i can't even really so the sex scene <laughs> starts sorry i'm trying to get i'm trying to catch my bearings um so the rich guy and his lover are in a suite, and uh, it's they got bring s- a, a waiter in, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they bring the the waiter. The waiter comes in, uh, but I was going to say, like, the vibe of the room is kind of like, oh shoot, what is that movie? Um, Richard Gere and uh, Pretty Woman, Unfaithful. Yeah, Pretty Woman. Thank you um in pretty woman where it's just kind of like that sort of hotel suite it's kind of like you know like a ritz it's very very fancy and like you get a lot of vibes from that sort of thing it's like you know two people going to make love and then like the waiter comes in and then you just see a completely topless uh you know the the lover uh, of the of the mafia guy and it's just like what is is going on here and then 
a series of super bizarre food related sex things happen um I but they like, that, like start off kind of they start off like fairly vanilla food sex stuff and then yeah. just like continue to escalate it's like sugar on the nipples but then it becomes like more and more sugar and then it becomes like a lot of whipped cream yeah and um, then she like dips her breast in like the whipped cream bowl yeah um but then then it like it like escalates until finally she he like i don't even know how he did it he like he puts like a prawn on her chest or on her stomach he he's got a bowl with two prawns in it like uh for for our foreigner listeners a prawn is kind of like a little lobster or yeah like a or a big shrimp um (laughs) that's an oxymoron (laughs) um so He's got a bowl, basically a, a cereal bowl, and it's clear so you can see it uh, with with two prawns in it. And then he, she's lying down, like belly up, and he like flips it onto her stomach so that the bowl is upside down, but he's holding it down so water isn't escaping. And then the prawns get agitated, so they're like fighting, and it's on her stomach, and she's like giggling with joy in this rapture as like these prawns are like tickling her because they're fighting on her belly super bizarre like i've never been so like (laughs) i've never i've never laughed so much and also been so ashamed of uh, of what i'm watching when i was doing that because this this girl (laughs) i was because you were on a plane i was on a plane and this girl uh, i don't know i i think she she might have been like very catholic but this is american girl too who's like um, you know, doing the sign of a cross a bunch before we like fly and stuff. So I was like, wow, you know, I, I would expect that of a Mexican girl, but not of an American girl. So she's probably very religious. And she's probably thinking like, dude, who the fuck is a freak next to me? What is he watching? And I was like, just, you know, I, I started like writing down fake notes being like, oh yeah, like it clearly looks like this is for an assignment, right? But I was like, I felt so uncomfortable, but I was also laughing so much at this scene because, you know, like not every day you get a prawn on your belly while you're naked Um. i i just i was i was watching the movie by myself you know i had covid and i was just sitting there and i was just like what what it just as it like continued (laughs) to escalate and just like laughing uncontrollably looking around the room just being like oh i'm still completely by myself like yeah, especially because the way it escalates, it's like, you know, there's a boob uh, in whipped cream. Like, I feel very uncomfortable. Like, you know, he's rubbing her nipple with a bunch of sugar. I feel very uncomfortable. And then, and then there's like a prawn on her belly. Uh, you know, so it just got so crazy weird all at once. Um, um, but what's what's wild is that that is like not even the most bizarre sexual thing that, that happens. I agree. Uh, I was going to say... Yeah. The the more uncomfortable scene for me to watch was when the separate vignette, same characters, and he like crack. They're like on a street or something, right? No, no, they're they're in a hotel room. Yeah. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah. Okay, whatever. He he cracks a he cracks an egg, and then he like gets rid of everything that's not the yolk, and he puts it in his mouth, and then he just starts making out with her, and they start swapping the unbroken yolk back and forth between each other's mouths um until it it finally breaks and then she, he she like orgasms as it breaks out of her mouth and all i gotta say the most graphic scene if you never did that as a horny teenager with your girlfriend and gum <laughs> you, you you don't live 
Yeah. And it was just like so the wild thing about it is that it was like a solid two and a half minutes. Yeah. Just like, kept going and going. It's like it's like, okay, so alright, so yeah, he's put it in his mouth. Oh, alright. He's probably gonna put it in her mouth. Okay, yeah. He put it in and he, the, the dude is like the mafia guy is about like a foot taller than the lover. So like when she swaps it back to him, he's got to like hunch down and yeah, and open up uh you you all are missing a great visualization <laughs> by by Pablo here, uh who's also pointing out that like the tongue is also involved in this in this sensual handoff. It is insane. And then when the yoke breaks like her mouth is just like half open and the yoke just like trails down the front. Was not expecting that. Um, and, you know, I, I think that like everything, this movie is criticizing things, confronting things. And I'm definitely talking about just like the, the sexualization of food and how y- yeah, it's like so, so much more than just about the taste, the sensation of eating itself. Yeah. So, so one thing I was going to say is like, I mean, it's billed as like a satire, And Mm -hmm. it definitely is a satire, but there's also just like this weird thing that has happened since this movie came out in 1985 is that like the Food Network exists and there's Mm -hmm. all sorts of now like just food porn as like a Mm -hmm. category of media to consume. Um, And so it's like weirdly like critiquing this thing that like existed that didn't really exist when it when it came out. I think that to be fair, I think that this actually did start to happen more in Japan before it happened here you know like with you know like, like with the you, you can see it in like that uh in the scene in the in the fly scene where like that specialty store it's got like all of like the really special fruit yeah you know and uh you know and the glorification of food is not something new but i think that like like you said like the food porn genre i think kind of I don't know if it started in Japan, but like something like it existed in Japan back then, and they are definitely like, "What are you guys doing?" Making and it's fun just, of it, yeah, yeah, it's, who boy, Hoo crazy. Boy. Um, do we want to talk about the maybe the the main plot of the of the movie, which is Tampopo and um, Goro, who's the cowboy? Yeah. Do you wanna Do you wanna take the lead on that? Um, sure, yeah. So basically, um, this uh, Tampopo has really bad ramen. And mm-hmm. then Goro is kind of like her uh, her sensei, t- taking her to see different uh, different people to get better at the different mm-hmm. um, aspects of ramen. Uh, we mentioned the of ramen. homeless crew. Yeah, we mentioned the homeless crew. Um, uh, I don't remember what the homeless crew, why, why specifically they visited. I think it was oh. to see the sensei. Yeah. Um, and then we see here, we, um, it's really cool actually, because uh, we learned that broth is the soul of, of ramen. They mm-hmm. also take her to a place that um, has one guy who's serving a bunch of like 25 different people and doesn't forget any part of the order. That was um, so, cool. so that she gets her service better. They take her obviously to, um, other ramen places that aren't doing things as well and we also get this really great scene where um she gives shit to a couple of guys uh in another ramen shop and she's like well you know i actually didn't really like the didn't like the ramen that much i didn't finish the broth and then they're like dude don't give me that shit you know um you know nobody's not hungry uh, doesn't come for ramen and they like out her and figure out that she's actually like in a competing ramen shop then there's another one where she um 
Um, they take her to a restaurant specifically to know why the noodles have the consistency they have. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's super good too because she, uh, you know, it, it really goes into like how much, um, how complex ramen is. You know, the, these people end up be, uh, making the ramen one day before, like the, the flour for the noodles and then let it sit for a specific amount of time. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. We see her rummaging through trash to like see what the ingredients are. Just a bunch of different aspects of ramen that we would ner- normally, you know, never think about. Yeah. Um, serving time, just a bunch of different stuff. And I think that that's one of the really fun things about the movie, which is we, we talked at length about all these non sequiturs talking about how they are criticisms of food and criticisms of class through the lens of food criticisms of gender uh through the lens of food but it seems that the main plot is is kind of like a reprieve of that in that it's a a celebration of of food it's a it's a celebration of the craft required um in order to make something that you truly love and in the scene that you mentioned where um, she tries the other ramen shop's place and she's like, oh, I didn't finish the broth. I didn't really like it. Um, uh, they're like, oh, well, well, how would you do it? And they said, oh, well, I've got like the, the shop tampopo and I make ramen the normal way. You know, I don't use fish heads. I don't do this. I don't do that. Like, and they're like, uh, you know, people like it's eaten by the it's eaten by people who don't know what's going on like what why why does this matter and then it's like just because they don't know how it's made like the the masses they don't know how it's made doesn't mean that they don't know what is good and i i thought that that was like a really interesting um you know it it, that ends up kind of being one of the theses of the uh of the story and then um you know um Everyone kind of like comes together at the end. Piskin, who's the other mafia guy, the guy who beats up Gore at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, basically comes through and he's like, we have this hilarious fight scene between Piskin and Gore where they just like, you know, classic toxic masculinity, like <laughs> beating the shit out of each other until they like pa- basically pass out on the ground. And then they're like, oh man, you're pretty good for a hitter. And it's like, yeah, I studied like uh, this martial arts for a while. I was like national champion. And he's like, oh fuck. And then like, then become, they become friends. And then Piskin basically um, um, like redoes the interior of the Russia. And he's like an interior designer or some, some weird shit like that. Mm-hmm. And then he basically turns in the restaurant into like a super nice, uh shop um and basically and they're all there uh at the end supporting uh tampopo and like trying out the ramen the very last iterations where she's like still doesn't quite get it and then we get a great scene at the end where like the sensei gun who's a sidekick goro um tough guy and piskin are like sipping the broth and it's very tense and, and she's tampopo just waiting like oh man are these guys going to finish the broth? Because that's the main mm-hmm. thing. You know, if you don't finish the broth, it's not good ramen. And then, you know, there is like slurping. And each one, one by one, is like finishing the broth. And then like it, you get these glorious like, you know, like horn music, like celebrating. And she's like joyful. And she does it. And they all like congratulate. I'm like, Tampa, but you finally did it, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get the outro, uh, which I guess the epilogue or outro, which I will let you talk about, Andrew. Um, don't they just get in the, the truck and go? Basically, yeah. And okay, then we get yeah, a one yeah, yeah. last scene. I um, think, so one thing that actually bothered me in the ending is like when, so she, she makes one batch and they actually don't like it at first. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, I think it's Piskin is like, 
um oh you should use this recipe that my like grandma made or something oh, yeah. and he like gives it to her and then she makes it and then they basically just use that recipe for but, like the final product but as a different dish though that that becomes yeah. like the staple dish but not the ramen um yeah it's yeah, kind of weird like specialty yeah but it, it was I, just I, it, I felt like it i felt like it was a little bit of a letdown to like see her go through this journey of like learning about the best everything to make like the the best ramen shop in town Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, oh well, you should just use this recipe, and then that ended up being the well, thing. Well, maybe kind of is the meaning, which is sometimes family recipes are the best. <laughs> I, I I agree with you, Dave. I, I saw that and I was like, ah, that's pretty lame. I I am I am glad though that it it swung around and she was able to prove that she was able to, uh, you know, quote, make ramen the normal way in in a way that was good. Um, there, yeah. So in, in the outro, like they they finish up and then they're like, okay. The, the shop has been rebuilt. You have the recipe. You Her son any... also becomes friends with, with the guys who beat him up, the little kids yeah, who exactly. like bullied him. Everything. Uh, and they're like starting and, you know, the, the new customers are starting to funnel in. And then like all the guys who are helping uh, Tampopo with her shop kind of slowly filter out, uh, including Goro and Gun. And they kind of get in the truck and you kind of wonder... Uh, because there had been a, a love interest um, between Tampopo and Goro. Uh, and it's like, is he going to stay? But then, you know, it's a ramen western. You know, he he has to go. He has to keep on going to the next place and uh, and heads out. And it's just crazy. Yeah, and then we get one last random scene, which is like a breastfeeding woman. Oh, yeah. It does end with the like breastfeeding. On the, on the end credits. Yeah. Um, not sure why, but why not at this point? I mean, right? I think it was the last, um, maybe maybe it was just the last point of the movie, which is, you know, at the end of the day, food is there for nurture. And, you know, like, uh, you know, it starts when we're little, little babies. Little babies. Weaning babies. <laughs> we little babies. Um, yeah. Is there, it was a hell of a movie. Again, so I would say I one it, of my it was a it was one of the best movies I've watched in a while. I would say, I yeah. I agree with that. It I honestly can't believe how how good it was. Incredible, um, like it all the things it said about food and also the things it said about film and uh, you know being able to use such a standard story format. And then messing with it in all of these delicious ways, if I will, uh, you know, it's just like truly like a, a, it showed like a master at at work. And I'm going to be definitely interested to see if uh, this director has other movies definitely. Uh, because I am definitely hungry for more. Uh, is there anything <laughs> else that you guys wanted to hit on? Um, no, no. I'd say, yeah, I love that. I think it was very, um, very deep, but also, you know, a very light movie. I'm not sure what, you know, if an average viewer would think of, but I think most people can enjoy it and, and get the themes, you know, like great colors, great sound, yeah. super tasty um, shots. Yeah. Um, maybe, you I, know, I like some... when, when they're having the, the fight uh, and, you know, it's, it's like an uncut fight. So it's just like very raw. It's like them fighting for like 20 seconds straight. Right. 
and then the camera just starts zooming out until you can just see them in the little park and they're just like surrounded by just like the metropolis yeah. of Tokyo and it's just like why did we do that I don't know I don't know it's just like I think a supremely enjoyable film mm-hmm. uh, all aspects of it are so fun um it's definitely not a movie you know I could see it again with friends absolutely definitely with food um doesn't feel like too heavy not to watch again we mm-hmm. definitely need a mormon cut yeah we need <laughs> a mormon cut. um it'd be a lot shorter i feel and the question <laughs> i think is first question is would dave like this movie and i think it's this might be the first resounding yes we've had yes. um, you don't get to say dave because uh, it is movies with dave no not by dave well but yeah, so I, I think that I think that Dave would really like this movie um, on account of it is just weird enough um, not to alienate Dave, uh, but it's, <laughs> it also really chews on um, a lot of the themes. Um, and I think that it's engaging enough that even though it has uh, it has subtitles, um, you know, because Dave likes to text uh, while he watches movies, uh, the movie is so <laughs> engaging that he's he's willing to put the phone down on this one. So I think that Dave would like this movie. Definitely. Um, and that brings us to our second and most important question is, um, would the movie be better if Jim Carrey was in the lead role? And... Um, <laughs> Uh, is the, this, the lead this one is hard. Goro. The lead here is Goro, right? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. The Goro, Goro clearly Goro. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say, you know, it'd be kind of weird. But again, you know, Tom Cruise was in The Last Samurai. Uh, well, let, let, let's like it's a Japanese movie. Let, let's let's imagine like an adaptation, an American, yeah, let, let, an American an remake. Am- well, no, no, no. I was not even gonna say that. I was just saying like imagine that Jim Carrey is like is japanese or whatever like being able to get him to like he speaks the language um you know or something like that like yeah uh, yeah. try try to separate that and just like would Uh, the caricature of jim carrey be better i would Um, would, would picture him in that in that in that role i could honestly see him as goro yeah i could also see him as the gangster (laughs) i think he could do it he could for sure do it i don't know if the movie would be better but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like a crazy example like terminator you know I mean, I don't think that the actor, like, uh, Goro is, like, the selling point of this movie. And I think exactly. that having an even more exaggerated character might even make the movie better. Um, I'm here for it. I'm here for Jim Carrey as Goro. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. I love that take. Um, so I don't have anything else to say about this movie other than, guys, watch it. It was kind of hard for me because it's on the Criterion Collection and we don't really have that in Mexico, but... Um, Turns out it's you actually can. also on HBO Max. On HBO Max oh, too. if it's on HBO Max, guys, everyone should watch this. It's so good. Um, okay, I think that's a that's a wrap for uh, uh, that's a wrap for that. So Tampopo. yeah. So then um, we go into our, our last section. Just I know that um, in our time, it hasn't been too long since we uh, we met up. But like, uh, is there anything that? you've been consuming whether it be music tv movies uh that you really like and feel like you want to you want to share with the world um and dave sure. you're allowed to say big brother again but we'll start with you pablo <laughs> i'll start I will, um, I will not say big brother again i can't i can't remember if i talked about this but uh, first i'm watching a show called made for love on, on hbo max i think i mentioned that really mm-hmm. good 
Um, then um, not a whole lot because I'm in Chicago right now. I just hang out around the city. But I've been listening to two live albums that are really really good. And these are actually like video specials that people like end up like downloading off of downloading the la- the audio off of uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. But the first one is uh, Krangbin uh, live on on Pitchfork. Really good. If you guys uh, haven't heard them, uh, they're this band that has three albums. Um, and each one of them is kind of like influenced by different type of world music. One of them has a lot of Latin sounds and another one has kind of like Thai or Vietnamese rock from the seventies. And then another one is like a different genre. So they're very interesting, uh, very nice music. It's just like chill. Most songs are instrumental. So that's really good. And then the other one is, um, this is incredible. I think Andrew would love this video. Um, which is Limperatrice. It's kind of like a French disco, um, a French disco band, um, and they have this special at the Grand Palais. I think I've, I've definitely talked about this before, right? You you mentioned them just, uh, just the last watch episode. It. I'm yeah. obsessed with it, uh, and everyone should watch it. And those are the only two things I've been I've been listening to this past the past couple of weeks. And the other one is um, well, Bonnever Bonnever. Um, so it's a 10 year anniversary of the self titled album, which has probably you know like some great songs like Holocene and like Calgary. Great. Um, so they're doing to they're doing a repressing uh, of the vinyl, uh, which I'm probably gonna buy because the original one is like notoriously bad for its like sound quality versus you know just listening to it on on digital media. Um, and the other thing is they're doing a concert uh, in October, two two dates. Uh, they just announced it, like October 22nd and 23rd. Um, already booked a hotel, so I'm just waiting to get on the pre-sale for those tickets and, and go to oh, LA yeah. and watch uh, Boney Bear. Boney Bear. Yeah, I, I've been listening to some of him recently, thanks to thanks to you, Pablo. Re- reinvigorated my interest in him. How about you, Dave? What have you been What have you been exploring? Uh, so I finished Mare of Easttown this week, um, nice. which I would highly recommend to anyone who has now watched it. I also, the what, what is, entire what is time Mare I was watching Easttown? Mare of Easttown is like a, uh, it's a drama, mystery, murder, mystery. Um, it's on HBO Max starring Kate Winslet. Um, very, a very good, uh, entertaining and pulls, pulls you in uh, quickly. It honestly... The entire time I watched it reminded me so much of, uh, um, what is it called? Uh, Broadchurch. Like, hmm. there are characters that are literally just, like, taken out of Broadchurch, I feel like. And, like, there are plot lines that are just so much everything Broadchurch that I really want to find something on the internet that is, like, here is why this move, this TV show is exactly like Broadchurch. Maybe it's uh, but so far, I haven't writer. actually found anything. Hmm. Um, and it, but it really does feel just kind of like an American adaptation of of that of that. Awesome. Um, other than that, you know, it's only been a week since we last recorded our episode, so I don't know if I have anything new. It's all good. Um, what about you, Andrew? The, did you finish uh, Search Party? Uh, no. So, uh, I'm on the second season of that. I'll, I'll give an update of that when I, um, watch more of that. Um, but because I had COVID, so I was out, um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday last week, and you know, today's, um, Monday. Uh, I, I finally beat two of my video games. I beat, uh, Final Fantasy VII and Fire Emblem. Great games. I talked about them before. Um, and so now I've started a, a new game. Uh, 
called Dragon Quest XI, uh, and I've it's like a, a Japanese role playing uh, game. You know, it's supposed to be like a hundred hours or something, and it is perfect, and I love it. And uh, for a long time, I've been trying to chase down like a fun role-playing game like the old Final Fantasies uh, because I loved those as a kid and I've never been able to find a game to like rekindle that sort of like huge story you know sprawling adventure let's go uh, and this scratches that itch so much I like I'd seen this out there before um, the animation was originally done by the guy who did Dragon Ball uh, and Dragon Ball Z. So it has like more of a, a little bit more of a cartoony vibe. All the characters have Cockney accents. It is just delightful. I love just kind of falling into that world. Um, I, uh, I started reading um, a book, um, believe it or not. Uh, it's <laughs> the second uh, in, a, in an ongoing series. It, it just came out. Uh, somewhat recently it's called a desolation called peace uh it's a really cool sci-fi book the uh the plot is like there's an ambassador from a space station going to the main city and the secret technology of the people of the space station is that they can keep the memories of people from before implanted in their head so you can kind of have like multiple personalities in one body really cool plot the writer is excellent she's like a historian so like a lot of that is kind of flexed in the the story um and then uh, the last thing is uh, music. I- I've been listening to the the Finland uh, submission for Eurovision. I don't know how to pronounce their name, but they are just so funny and so fun. Like it's Daoi Freyer. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I sent you the music video, Dave, but it's basically like a Power Rangers fantasy um, Finland edition. Oh, I think you did send that to me. Maybe yeah. maybe we should watch Eurovision as a movie. I I love I mean, Eurovision. Look, I, I watched it when I went to Tahoe, <laughs> and like I was just listening to the soundtrack constantly, and I've just had Ya Ya Ding Dong stuck in my head. Oh, such a good song. <laughs> Uh, I think we should do it. Uh, it's a movie that came out recently. It's pretty relevant. So, uh, still. I want I want a couple of couple of months, I think, before I want to watch it again because okay. I just watched it. But I I'm definitely open to it. Um, but yeah, that, that's the stuff that I've been doing. Um, I'm excited to check out some of the stuff that you guys have mentioned. I'm excited to not have COVID anymore. Um, and I'm also excited able for to you like, not have COVID. Yeah, like you finally came back from Wisconsin and <laughs> we have been unable to hang out. It's a huge bummer. Um, although we neither of us can climb because I have COVID and you have a broken rib. So That's, like we really yeah. are like, you know. We're just like the saddest little podcast crew right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Pablo's living his truth, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. That is, I think, everything that we've got for the episode. You two are the yolk of my egg. Um, thank you so much for joining us, dear listener. My name is Andrew Kramer. And I guess uh, I'm Pablo Galvan. <laughs> and I'm Dave Spitzfad, and about to go eat a delicious dinner inspired by that movie. Ooh, yeah. Goodbye.